You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 137 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens, the one and only... Mr. Rick Stevens with the playoff beard, well in, uh, in, in in fine form. It's coming in. It's coming in. Now you had a little bit of a head start on yeah. me on the on the playoff like a beard. I think. Three to four month head start. I think. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. all? <laughs> yeah, hey, yours yeah, looks was good it. too. By the way, thank you, thank you. Yeah, with I should have shaved it. Yeah. I should have shaved it as Ben Sherratt and Jeff Petrie and and Shea Weber and Joel Edmondson did into the mustache, and then right. had it grow into the. I could have done that. That could uh-huh. have been the path that I went. I didn't. You didn't. I, I just I didn't do that. So it, it, hey, maybe something for next year. It looks good. Well, for for good, November, yeah. of course. For November, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we'll bring it back for then. But Rick, playoff it, beards uh, are in. Yeah, uh, the, they're the, in. Uh, it's it's uh, the Victoria Day weekend, the official mm-hmm. start of summer, and and uh, we, there's so much action going on. We were talking about it in the in the pre-show uh, about. All of the action in um, in in other sports and yeah. and all of these um, overtime games and extra inning games that yeah. uh, that are happening. Pretty exciting stuff. It was. I mean, last night the Blue Jays went to twelve innings last night. A tough a tough loss last night, but you had the Hurricanes and and Predators go to double overtime. Double the Jets yeah. and the Oilers go to overtime. And in the NBA last night, the Memphis Grizzlies and Golden State Warriors go to overtime last night in, in what was a uh, back-and-forth game, a very exciting game to watch. And and I was watching that, as I know you were as well, oh, Rick, sure. because of it's yeah. a, a huge, huge basketball fan. Mm-hmm. And, Rick, this is to say it's playoff time. The last night was the playing game for the NBA. That's the final playing game that there is. Now the playoffs begin. Big stakes, bigger promotions every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day for the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot 
at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app, you go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Once you do that, once you download uh, the app, and once you go to pools, all you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games, and then sit back, track your results through the evening as you watch the games. Questions ranging from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first, stuff like that. Now, here's the most important part. DraftKings is safe. It's DraftKings is secure and it's reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. But yeah, Rick, THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey Podcast Network, we're a proud affiliate. And uh, yeah, they're they're pretty excited. Uh, there's there's mm-hmm. lots of great podcasts uh, during the playoff time, and uh, and we're proud to be part of that. And uh, and also, it it's uh, those connections offer us uh, and our listeners uh, a bunch of advantages. And by downloading the DraftKings uh, app and entering that promo code, you'll find out what uh, your advantage is this week. Absolutely. So you definitely want to go ahead and do that. But Rick, we should say we've got a, a pretty big show for today. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, game one. Toronto-Montreal went Thursday night, so we're going to be discussing that in uh, just a little bit. And in segment two, we should say, we're going to be bringing back a segment that we haven't done in quite a while, but we're happy to have it back. Uh, By popular demand. By popular popular demand, exactly. Winners and losers. Winners and losers. Mm -hmm. So we're very excited to get into that in segment two. Uh, In segment three, we have uh, a question of the week that we're going to be getting to some responses Uh, to that and it's simply uh, what did you think of Nick Foligno initiating a fight with Corey Perry after the accident uh, with John Tavares we'll be getting to that and of course we'll be talking about that in just a few moments uh, from now Uh, but Rick uh, I think we should get started with what happened on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens this week and it was just one game it was a playoff game it was game one between the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs what a game and yeah, it was the opening five, six minutes of that game right up until the first commercial break. It was, wow, this is going to be a fun series to watch. It looked like it was going to be a great game. And it, it, it turned into a, a, at the at the end of that game, there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, big moments. We're going to be getting into some of the heroes for the Montreal Canadiens in segment two with winners and losers. But yeah, the Canadians take a 1-0 series lead in a series where not many are giving them, um, you know, the not many think that they have it in them to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in this series. But here they are with a 1-0 lead in the series. It was um, it, it was interesting as that started because uh, there there was a a lot of time eight days between uh, games for the Canadians and lots of time to discuss uh, fan thoughts. Um, Social media yeah. was was a buzz with uh, uh, 
conversation about the lineup decisions, and we're going to be getting to that. <laughs> and um, and and there was some. Uh, well, I, I think there was about a handful of people and all the folks at the Gazette that uh, were talking about Jake Allen starting. And uh, I, as I mentioned in my my uh, game uh, recap, um, the lineups the lineups come out about. Um, uh, 10 minutes before, officially, the, the on the game sheet, come up before on NHL.com. And um, the starting players are, are it lists the, the, uh, the lineup and the uh, scratches, and then the starting players are um, highlighted in bold. And uh, Jake Allen was highlighted in bold. And mm. I was like, that, that, can't, that can't be right. <laughs> and so mm. started checking all over the place with... With my sources, and um, and then I saw Jonathan Bernier, uh, one of the French beat reporters, said this lineup is really peculiar. Why is Josh Anderson on the Dano line? <laughs> like I was like, no, you're yeah. missing the point. You're missing the point. And then <laughs> a short time later, uh, he caught it as well, and uh, turned out it was one of those mistakes. Uh, as they transfer uh, from the written notes uh, to the computer, somebody hit the wrong button. It was a mistake. Yeah. Obviously, it was Carey Price that was starting, uh, and um, yeah, that 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 first few minutes was pretty exciting, including um, Morgan Riley had a pretty good chance. Looked like he was going. Uh, uh, top shelf on Price, and Price got his shoulder in the way, and that kind yeah. of that kind of set the tone for what we were going to see um, uh, a little later, along with all the physical play that that happened right off puck drop. Absolutely, it was yeah, an incredibly uh, emotional games for for uh, emotional game for for a lot of reasons, and of course there was a bit of a cloud hanging over it after uh, the John Tavares uh, injury that we will be getting to in a few moments, as I said. But yeah, overall, I mean, the the performance that you saw from Carey Price, he left no doubt that, that that he should have been, obviously should have been the starting goalie in that game and not Jake Allen. And yes, that was very clearly a mistake uh, by somebody uh, in uh, making Jake Allen, the uh, making his name bold. But regardless, uh, yeah, we will be getting into our winners and losers in segment number two and going a little bit more in depth. And yeah, I imagine that Carey Price might, might come up in, in that, perhaps, mm. perhaps. <laughs> but Rick, you spoke of the uh, comprehensive post-game review over at allhabs.net that you craft after every game, uh, pre-game and post-game. You are doing those alongside the pre-game with uh, Sam with Gerber. Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you craft those over at allhabs.net. I do my weekly column, The Three Stars, and last week uh, was an interesting one because the Canadians, they closed out their season with five consecutive losses. Mm. But they also clinched a playoff spot. So it was a bit of a weird area to be to try to pick three stars. But I I did get some great performances to choose from. And my first star last week was Arturi Lekkinen. And really, I I mean, in this column, usually I speak about just the week of performances. But with Arturi Lekkinen, it's a really interesting case. Because you have a guy in Arturi Lekkinen who the narrative that surrounds him is that he is this great two-way player, plays great in the defensive zone, lots of great effort plays along the boards. We talk, you know, you talk often about Max Domi saying that Arturi Lekkinen was the reason that his face-off percentage was as high as it was <laughs> because he would go and dig dig pucks out for Max Domi off the face-off. So, like, stuff like that is often what you hear, but he also has the, the there's the idea that he just doesn't finish enough 
for what people would like to see. And and I can understand that in certain aspects. But the thing about Arturi Lekkinen, and I say this in the article, in the column, is three consecutive years now, 2019, in April 2019, a, a one-goal, one-assist performance against the Tampa Bay Lightning to keep the Canadians' playoff hopes alive. Last year in the bubble in uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins, scoring the goal that got the Canadians to that playoff round against the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. And then this year, his line with Paul Byron and Jake Evans, they willed the Canadians to that one point. They only they got they did the bare minimum. They did the bare minimum. I'll, I'll say that. But they were the reason. Arturi Lekkinen, Jake Evans, and Paul Byron were the reason they got there. And because Lekkinen has this history as a clutch performer, he was the guy that I walked that I decided to give the first star of the week. Evans was in there as the second star of my week uh, of the week. Uh, Cole Caulfield the third, but Arturi Lekkinen, you have to wonder if he's got a couple more of those, a couple more of those performances in him as the playoffs get uh, get underway. I mean, obviously it's one game, one game down, and now there's there's game two tonight, and of course more to come. You wonder if a guy with the history of clutch performances like our Trey Lekkinen is going to be a factor in this series for the Canadians. He's, um, yeah, he's a relentless player known for his work ethic, uh, known for, for hounding pucks, for retrieving pucks, for creating turnovers, uh, and being good in his own zone. So that's the, uh, that's the kind of player that's really valuable in, in the postseason and, and, uh, has the ability to, um, uh, to just, you know, uh, create things out of nothing, um, yeah. and uh, and and I think that he had a, a, a good first game. You mentioned that line. Uh, we have a, a bit of news about that line uh, coming yeah. up, but uh, looking forward to good things from Arturi Lekkinen through the playoffs. Absolutely. So uh, we'll get into some roster news here now because we do have uh, some important news to pass along. Uh, we'll start with an injury update for the Montreal Canadiens. All the players that we've been talking about in recent weeks, uh, Carey Price, Shea Weber, Brendan Gallagher, Paul Byron, Thomas Tatar, all the guys that they had on the shelf, they've since returned to the lineup. They were in the lineup for game one against the Maple Leafs. The only one that is not expected to return because it is an injury, it was personal reasons, is Jonathan Drouin. So that is the update on the Canadians roster as it stands. No injuries at the moment for those key guys. Philip Deneau, the other one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and they, they came back, for the most part, in their, their regular slots. Although, yeah. uh, Shea, Shea Weber was, um, yeah. rather than being beside Ben Chirot, Ben Chirot played on his uh, wrong side. And, and uh, Shea Weber started the game on, uh, on the third pairing uh, with John Merrill um, and, and had some... Um, not the mat, the tough matchups you you might expect uh, Shea Weber to get, and and of course he's uh, was rehabbing and and uh, was questioned whether he'd be back, and and but he's in the lineup. Uh, but as the game went on, he was moved around a lot, and uh, I don't yeah. think that Weber and Sherratt came off the ice for oh the last seven minutes of of the game. Um, yeah. Shea Weber. Uh, you know, if you're on the third pairing, you're not expecting a guy to get uh, almost 23 minutes in in uh, uh, ice time, and of course, uh, that's because he he uh, was moved into a more dominant, or prominent role in the in the third period. Um, he had four hits, six shots on goal. Um, he looked he looked great. Yeah, 
Uh, perhaps that's the play here for the Canadians to try to hold him until the until they need it in the third mm. period. Really, I mean, perhaps that's what they're going with here. Uh, but yeah, it was a curious thing to see him start the game alongside John Merrill. Uh, but yeah, it uh, it ended up working out. So we'll see if uh, see what happens with that. But uh, Rick, uh, as you mentioned, so the Arturi Lekkinen, Jake Evans, Paul Byron line that we saw be so effective against the Edmonton Oilers, they started the game together against the Leafs. In game one, unfortunately, Jake Evans had to leave. He did return briefly at the end of the second period, but to start the third period, wasn't on the bench. Uh, so he's not 100% right now. He's not going to play tonight. Yasperi Kotkaniemi slots in uh, for game two. Yeah, he came back, tried it, couldn't go. Um, they they haven't specified, um, even to the extent of whether it's upper or lower body injury, yeah. what the injury is. Uh, Dominic Ducharme said that uh, he was kind of day-to-day, um, uh, that is Evans, uh, but won't be playing in Game 2. And as you said, uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, uh, who many were clamoring to get uh, in the lineup, will be in for Game 2, and he'll be on that line, taking Evans' spot between Byron and Lekkonen. Uh Dominic Ducharme said he he had depth and he was going to use it. Well, uh, this is... This yeah. is uh, this is the case. And and uh, Kakinyemi and, and Byron and Lekkonen had some chemistry. They played together during the season at times and showed yeah. some chemistry. So um, uh, Dom Ducharme was was pretty impressed with uh, uh, Kakinyemi during the week that they had to work with uh, with him. Uh, liked his, uh, his attitude and his performance in practice this week. So has uh, no qualms about going ahead and uh, inserting him for game two. And I mean, any time that you get Lekkonen alongside Kotkaniemi, that chemistry has been there since day one for Kotkaniemi, since he's arrived to the NHL. So Paul Byron on the other side, he's got the chemistry uh, with uh, Arturi Lekkonen and, of course, a little bit with Kotkaniemi as well. So that'll be very interesting to watch and, and see him back out on the ice, see how he performs, uh, see if the time away, a little bit of time off from game action has done him any good. Uh, so we'll see that tonight. Um, so, Rick, yes, as we said, uh a bit of a cloud that hung over the game uh, was John Tavares in that entire situation and what happened there. Um, of course, uh, taking a, everyone's seen it. They showed it uh, so much during the broadcast, and it's been all online. Everyone's seen it. Um, the knee to the head. Um, and fortunately, we found out today, no structural damage to the head, the neck, or the spine. Fantastic news. He's going to be out a minimum of two weeks. Uh, somehow sustained a knee injury as well, uh, which, I mean, he got all turned around and, and sort of, um, yeah, I guess it, it does make sense. But, uh, yeah, it was not what you what you think you'd hear. But, yeah, it's uh, it's good to hear that there was no structural damage uh, to the neck, spine, or head for John Tavares. That's right. And um, certainly there's a concussion there. And yeah. the return time uh, with respect to the concussion is unknown. Uh, but even if the concussion... I, I don't expect that it will, but even if it, yeah, uh, you know, symptoms uh, dissipate over uh, the next week or so, he won't be back because of that knee injury. Um, I don't know if he sustained that in the incident or when he was trying to get up afterwards and yeah. fell backwards. It, it's hard to know that it was such a chaotic scene and uh, such a, a horrific a, event. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, there have been... It, I think the thing that we have to uh, stress is, and I, I I hope there's no debate on this, is that it was purely an accident. Yes. Uh, the first hit by Sherratt and then 
um, uh, the the Corey Perry coming in and um, and coming out of the zone and just trying to leap over uh, the, the John Tavares and and caught him with his his knee purely by accident and uh, and this is I I, th- I think that's exactly how Corey Perry described the incident. Well, I mean, he got hit and I was coming out of the zone. He uh, he fell. I tried to jump over him and unfortunately he I caught my knee on his head. And, I mean, I don't know what what else to do there. I tried to jump and it was unfortunate incident. And I know Johnny pretty well and uh, you know uh, just hope he's okay couple things there later on um cory perry said you know he was sick to his stomach um, yeah uh, because of and, this. It, and it looked it he looked it as well when he yeah, went back absolutely and um they know each other pretty well they've they've played together uh internationally they've they've uh, trained together for both of them um uh, former london knights uh players and and uh yeah, just uh, certainly not something that, that Perry wanted to uh, uh, be a part of. Absolutely not, yeah. And, I mean, so much of it was uh, a lot of what you saw on social media were people making the understanding that Corey Perry is who he is and has had the career that he has had and done the things that he has done, but also pointing out this is unavoidable contact that was not in any way, shape, or form intentional on the part of of Corey Perry it just wasn't there was no way for him to avoid that and yeah it was a, a frightening series of events that is for sure and we're happy that uh, John Tavares uh, is is going to uh, well he's on the road to recovery however long exactly that takes is to be seen but uh, Rick and yeah. just to just to say that with Tavares out of the lineup uh, tough to replace uh, yes. the, the Leafs captain uh, but Alex Galchenyuk, former Canadian uh, Alex Galchenyuk, will will slot into the lineup. The Leafs will also have one more change for Game Two, and that's Pierre Ingval in for uh, Riley Nash. Riley Nash, who played his first game as a Leaf uh, in Game One. Yeah, that was quite a way to uh, be introduced to your new teammates. I play a <laughs> playoff game against the Montreal Canadiens, which, by the way, hasn't happened in over forty years. Uh, <laughs> but Rick, uh, we'll move on to a uh, Laval Rocket Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So, Rick, it was uh, quite an interesting season for the Laval Rocket. Um, we know that they finished first in the uh, Canadian division, um, and they got some visitors uh, for their last game of the season this year, some unexpected visitors in uh, Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price. Just to add to uh, what you said, finishing second uh, and and the Frank Mathers Trophy, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, finishing first in the division, first, they yeah. also uh, finished second in the, in the AHL, yeah. just behind the Hershey Bears. Uh, so a very successful season. Now, like the Canadians, uh, they didn't uh, they didn't finish uh, strong in that uh, they lost four straight to end the season. They they lost six of their last seven. Um, and and why am I mentioning all those things? Uh, because uh, their uh, second to last game of the the season was there was no meaning there was yeah it didn't mean anything uh and and during that game as you said they received uh the two visitors 
in the yeah. names of uh, <laughs> Carrie Price and Brendan Gallagher. And that uh, created a big stir on social media, as, as it should, uh, yeah. for a couple of guys coming back and, uh, you know, how are they going to play and and what what jersey number were they going to have? And, and yeah, um, I, you know, I, I think people got a little too uh, focused on 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 the performance and and misunderstood what the condition conditioning stint was all about. Uh, for Brendan Gallagher, it wasn't about lighting up an AHL goaltender and and piling up points. It was about um, his shift length and and pushing his endurance and seeing how yeah. long he could uh, t- t- he could test himself uh, in game action. For Carey Price, it was uh, getting in goal, uh, picking up the puck off the boards, uh, you know, starting a rush, um, and also playing through traffic, uh, particularly on the on the penalty kill. Didn't matter his stats. Didn't matter. Uh, Brendan Gallagher's stats at all. And I think Carey Price, uh, um, when asked about the whole experience, summed up uh, what his takeaway was. Yeah, it was nice to uh, definitely get some game time and uh, to first diversify my uh, hockey DB portfolio. Yeah, he uh, supplemented yeah. his hockey <laughs> DB portfolio by adding that in. That, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's that's as much as it meant. It It, it meant... Uh, you know, uh, getting in game action, uh, but as far as the stats go and all that, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't a big deal. Not uh, not for Brendan Gallagher either. Yeah, and for those who are wondering, Carey Price wore number thirty, which was weird to see. Uh, Brendan Gallagher, who did, what did he wear? He was seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. Seventeen, yeah. Which so, was yeah, his Carey old Price. number. Yes, his it old, was. Uh, 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 Bulldogs number. Yeah. yeah, and I was I was worried I might have been wrong on that one because it's just 17 that felt like it was the old number that Gallagher had when he did play for the Bulldogs. But yeah, Carey Price wore number 30. Uh, he wore 29 when he was there in 2007 with the Bulldogs in the AHL. Now uh, occupied and, by Gustav Olofsson. Um, yes, and number 31 occupied by Caden Primo. the heir apparent. Caden <laughs> <laughs> Primo. So, yes, he could not wear uh, number 31. He wore number 30, which was a little bit weird to see, but I digress. You do what you do. Uh, but anyways, The fun part uh, of that was yeah. was the whole, uh, the schedule was that Carey Price was to come out at the midpoint yes. of the game, and Carey said, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, Joel, yeah. why don't you just arrange this here? I'm going to stay in net till the end of the period. And uh, that 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 was that was delightful. It was just yeah. that whole thing was was uh, th- that that v- the visual of that. Yeah. Though we didn't have uh, you know the audio, you could tell what was being said, and um, and you know Carey Price said, I'm going to stay in till the end of the period. Likewise. Brendan Gallagher extended a couple of his shifts, uh, said, no, no, don't come over the boards. I want to test myself. So yeah. it was NHL uh, players uh, exerting their their uh, their privilege and, and yeah. uh, saying, no, I need a little bit more, please. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was very interesting to see uh, them back in Laval Rocket. Well, in Laval Rocket jerseys for the first time, but back in the AHL. Uh, so, Rick, key contributors, or well, uh, one key contributor, another guy um, as, as well, a, a goaltender, Vasily Demchenko, uh, but Jordan Wheel, a guy that was a key contributor for the Laval Rocket this year, you know, took the sort of demotion to the AHL in stride, had a good year. Uh, he, along with Demchenko, are going to the KHL. 
impressed with Jordan Wheel uh, sent to the AHL as part of the the the, the cap cleanup for uh, Mark Bergevin. Couldn't afford to have him even on the taxi squad, so he played the whole season in the AHL. As you said, took the the motion very well and and became a a, a leader, a, a veteran leader, um, and took a, a couple of the players under his wing. And uh, ended up, I believe, second in in terms of uh, points with respect yeah. to the Rocket. Um, but but yes, looking for other things for his career. He's signed in the KHL, as has uh, goaltender uh, Demchenko, and uh, Gustav Olsson, who I uh, just mentioned. Uh, yeah. His uh, and and I should say they're both uh, unrestricted free agents. Uh, Wheel mm-hmm. and. Uh, and Demchenko, as is Gustav Olofsson, and he kind of hinted during his um, uh, postseason uh, availability that uh, uh, he is looking for uh, a different fit, a better fit that uh, will find will allow him to get back to the NHL. Yeah, so wish those guys uh, all the best in, in whatever their their hockey journey is going forward for the guys going to the KHL and wherever it is that Gustav Olofsson uh, winds up. Uh, but but if you want to yeah. hear that audio, uh, like yeah. uh, Gustav Olofsson, all of them, um, all that audio is up on AHL.report. Uh, and Amy Johnson has, uh, has gathered that. Uh, and she was on the call. Chris has been on some of the calls during uh, the year as well. But... Uh, in order yeah. to get the the final thoughts, uh, and um, and she'll have a kind of a year end uh, article coming out this week uh, about the Laval Rocket at AHL Report. Absolutely. So you want to be sure you don't miss out on that content. Be sure to read all the content at AHL Report and listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal podcast hosted by Amy Johnson and my co-host here, Rick Stevens. Uh, so you don't want to miss an episode of the Press Zone Montreal either. They're very informative, and uh, it's a very informative and good podcast, as is the Press Zone Philadelphia. So, uh, Rick, we will move on. And, Rick, I, I think a few weeks back, a little while ago now, uh, we heard from Coach C. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah, he was a very popular coach, a very popular coach, a very popular segment uh, on this podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, it's time for GM JJ now. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Coach C being uh, Ben Sherratt, and and he had lots of uh, great insights, uh, coaching kind of insights. Uh, and uh, it was interesting uh, in game one, we heard from uh, GM, uh, GM in waiting, let's say, GM JJ, <laughs> that being uh, uh, JJ Watt um, <laughs> from the NFL. And he tweeted uh, during uh, game one, this Canadian's Leafs game he was watching along could use a little bit of Cole Caulfield, mm. uh, which may have come out of the blue first and and sent that to his 5.6 million followers yeah. on Twitter. Um, and of course, uh, both are uh, alums of uh, Wisconsin uh, Badgers, um, and so sticking up for uh, for his fellow Badger there and giving some support to Cole Caulfield left out of the lineup uh, for game one. Uh, so we thought yeah. it would be kind of fun just to, um, uh, you know, this, to, to go through. Uh, we, we know his feelings on uh, on Cole Caulfield, but uh, but there was lineup decisions that uh, that were were controversial, let's say. 
Uh, fans felt one way. Dominic Ducharme felt uh, the other way. Um, we know what what JJ Watt's feelings were on Caulfield. We don't know what they were on the others, but but we'll just uh, we'll assume. <laughs> and we gave him the title of uh, of GM because there's a portion of this Montreal fan base um, that seems to think that biceps, um, the yeah. biceps size, kind of determines the quality of. Of a GM, mm-hmm. so in this case, uh, uh, JJ wins all day long. I, oh, for sure, <laughs> I yeah. would say it's it's no contest. It is absolutely no contest in that regard. Right. <laughs> but yes, yeah, lots so, of conversations about roster decisions. Yeah, so let's go through one by one. So we'll start with one that you alluded to already, and you know there was a lot of conversation. Even, even not by those that think that Carey Price, that, that Jake Allen is better than Carey Price, but just even well-meaning conversation about, okay, for Carey Price coming off a concussion, do you want him in there for game one of the playoffs or do you want to sort of ease him back into it? Yeah, no, you don't want to do that because he's <laughs> Carey Price and he did exactly what he did on, on Thursday night and essentially, as you said in the game recap, stole a game of that series. And look, I was talking to one of my Leaf fan friends who was saying, listen, if you have Jake Allen in the net, it's it's 3-1. It's 3-1, at least 3-1. Like, yeah. at least. So no disrespect intended again, as we often say, because I think it's important to be fair to Jake Allen and know what his role and his responsibility is. It is not to play game one of a playoff series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. You pay Carey Price what you pay him to play that game, and he... He did everything that you could want. Everything. So, um, Carey Price has has a number of things that he does uh, that that uh, other goalies do not do. Carey Price uh, can, you know, there's 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 the stopping the puck. <laughs> there's there's mm-hmm. that yeah. part, there's and that. and his his uh, 35 save uh, performance. But he can intimidate the opposition, and we saw that with. Uh, what he did to Pittsburgh, they wanted no. Pittsburgh wanted no yeah. part of Carey Price, <laughs> uh, and so the Carey Price rule was instituted in the play-in mm-hmm. round last year. Uh, but in the same way, uh, for for Le- the 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 Leafs players know this, and the Leafs fans know this that Carey Price can intimidate shooters. Uh, but the other thing he can do, and this was pointed out by Andrew Raycroft in a tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, he his tweet was. No goalie can elevate his team like Carey Price. Uh, so you're you're also you're intimidating the opposition, but you're uh, raising up. Uh, you're, you're you're bringing a calm. You're bringing a mm-hmm. confidence, but you're also bringing some energy to your own uh, squad. And and uh, and and that's that's the third thing that Carey Price can do. Uh, he can stop the puck. He can uh, act as a, an extra defenseman back there. Um, he can intimidate the opposition, but he can he can um, be a, a leader for his team. Uh, and Andrew Raycroft pointed out that's that's something he does uh, better than any other goaltender in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and I mean it's just that. I think for guys playing for the Montreal Canadiens, for those skaters to know that they have Carey Price behind them, it is a different ball game, especially in the playoffs. When everything is going on, when you're in the eye of the hurricane and everything is happening around you, to know he's behind you has got to be one of the more reassuring feelings for those guys. So 
yeah, he, he does it at a level that nobody else does it. And, I, I, you know, listen, you can say, obviously, not in the, you know, um, the statistics aren't there where, you know, Connor Hellebuck and Vasilevsky reside. But that has more to do with a lot that was going on in front of Carey Price this season. But that doesn't matter because when you get to this point, he is a difference maker on his own. He is capable of being the difference, and he was on Thursday night. So and, it'll and be just, interesting. Just a couple yeah. of statistics since you, you brought it up. Uh, yeah. 972 save percentage in game one for Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Not so bad. Not and so bad. of his last, uh, I believe it's 17 um, uh, playoff games, he has a 938 save percentage. So um, he, he delivers when the stakes are highest. Absolutely, he does. So, yeah, very clearly the right call to play Carey Price uh, instead of Jake Allen. Um, but the second one that we'll get to, and this is the one that J.J. Watt had an issue with, uh, or GM J.J., I should say, uh, <laughs> Yoel Armia uh, versus Cole Caulfield. And with that, you know, there's there's size, there's that battle along the boards, the possession numbers that Joel, Yoel Armia brings to the case, uh, brings to the table, excuse me, against the pure goal scoring of Cole Caulfield. However, a lot of inexperience there, only 10 games of NHL hockey under his belt. Is this where you want to have Cole Caulfield playing? I don't know if it is. Uh, just a few minutes into into that game, uh, game one, and I got a text from our colleague, Amy Johnson, and she was uh, like, I want a visual of Cole Caulfield. Are his eyes as big as saucers? Like, yeah. oh my God, this is, yeah. you know, uh, the jump from NCAA to AHL to the NHL, but uh, this whole jump to playoff hockey and as physical as it was, <laughs> um, yep. you know, what was he thinking? And, and obviously... I think of any of the the lineup decisions. This was probably for me. This is the one that was the easiest. Um, yeah, you don't want Cole Caulfield in uh, in 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 this kind of environment, this kind of physical playoff environment, particularly uh, on the road when he can't be sheltered at all. And uh, yeah, th- this was and and, and uh, yes, there was some criticism of of uh, Yola Armia. Uh, by by Twitter, but uh, don't forget, Yol Armia was the one that set up the winning goal. He yep. was the one who turned that puck uh, and yep. got it up to Byron. Um, so, uh, it, you know, and and the other part of it is that uh, the Leafs went uh, is it zero for four or for five for four yeah. on on the power play. Uh, Yol Armia is a huge part of of the Canadians' uh, penalty kill. And um, so, uh, Yol Armia. Th- this, this for this for me. This one was easy. Yol Armia yeah. all day long. Yeah, and you know, like to envision Cole Caulfield perhaps being on the ice, and you know, you saw the run that Josh Anderson took at Wayne Simmons and just missed. Like <laughs> to envision that Cole Caulfield be on the ice, you don't want him anywhere near that. You don't want him anywhere near that. No. Don't play him. It's not worth it. Let him build up some professional experience before you get in thrown into the fire essentially did you see the um aslan uh terry mosher the the gazette columnist uh, uh, cartoonist (laughs) and and he he did a like i didn't understand he did a a cartoon of frodo i thought i thought his name was bilbo uh, that yeah tagged by uh that's all beside the point 
Um, Terry Moser did uh, Moser did one uh, for uh, for the Gazette, and Dr. Mulder, Dr. David Mulder, who was on mm-hmm. the ice during the John Tavares uh, incident, uh, thought it would be a good idea. Contacted Terry Moser and said, uh, "Can you do a special one, a painting?" And I'll present it. I'll get Shea Weber to present it yeah. uh, to Cole Caulfield. So that was done after game one. Um, and uh, there's a picture of Cole Caulfield holding this picture of um, himself, his, this cartoon of him as Frodo, um, wearing a Canadian's jersey, standing next to, standing between uh, Dr. Yeah. Mulder and Shea Weber. Um, and, and you get a real perspective. Uh, Dr. Mulder towers yes. over Cole Caulfield and yep. then Shea Weber is just in a different atmosphere uh, than Cole Caulfield and that that kind of gives you the perspective of yes he's going to compete in the in the NHL and in playoffs and at some point uh, but let him figure that out and get used to it get a little stronger and and figure yeah. out his uh, his avoidance techniques uh, uh, you don't want to throw him into that contact at the size disparity that he has right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you want to let him gain some experience before yeah, you throw him in to that type of atmosphere. Now, the one thing, Rick, I think this is the one that I have the most issue with. Uh, John Merrill versus Alexander Romanoff. And uh, I was saying to you before the show that if you had to tell me that the Montreal Canadiens would be in the playoffs this year, that they would make the playoffs, that they'd be here, that Alexander Romanov would play 54 games. And, and remember, for him to be there last year, they had to burn a year. Just for him to practice with the team, mm-hmm. they had to burn a year of his ELC. So you're telling me that the guy that played 54 games, a guy that you held, you you hold in pretty high regard as a prospect for you, that he is not playing playoff games because you have John Merrill. Okay. John Merrill. What is that? <laughs> we remember the games that um, that Romanov didn't look so good this year. There was games early in the season when um, he was placed with uh, with Victor Mete uh, mm-hmm. that, that that didn't work out. It didn't. Um, and no. and Victor Mete, as we know, on waivers. The other games that um, he didn't look very good were with uh, who? Uh, John Merrill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because. Uh, John Merrill didn't play well uh, after the after he was acquired at the trade deadline. We know that he's supposed to be uh, a defensive specialist, not much offense to a, his game, but his his defensive play was terrible yeah. uh, going down the stretch and and didn't look good with and, and Romanov didn't look good with him. Um, but otherwise, I think from all uh, uh, Expectations. Uh, Romanov had a pretty good season. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yes, I, I agree. This one was was a bit of a surprise. Uh, obviously, Descharm went with uh, experience. Um, mm-hmm. He said that he was going to dip into his depth. Uh, that's not going to happen at, at least with respect to Romanov in Game Two. Uh, but if uh, John now John Merrill. Um, you know, part of of uh, his pairing with uh, Shea Weber is, and we've said it before, Shea Weber uh, casts a pretty wide shadow and can make yeah. a lot of guys look pretty good. And uh, Merrill wasn't as as bad in Game One as he had been during the season, uh, but still, if if he makes uh, the errors that he does, uh, maybe we'll see Romanoff. 
Uh, and maybe that maybe that happens when the Canadians come home. The thing that I would say to that, because things have not been going well for the Montreal Canadiens, and you haven't had Shea Weber in the fold, you're going to try. You didn't have Ben Chirot playing alongside Shea Weber. Test that theory. Test the cast a wide shadow theory with Romanov. Put him with Weber and see what happens. Because, I mean, like he was playing third pairing minutes anyways at the beginning of the game, and then he started to play Weber a little bit more as it went on. So I, that to me is where this gets ridiculous. It's <laughs> it just I, I can't. This is the one that confuses me the most because there was an expectation the one that we're going to get to next was going to happen. This one just came out of left field for me. I didn't I did not see this coming at all. Um, fired up. But Joe yeah, Whalen. a little bit fired up. But here's the one, Rick. This is the one that we knew was probably coming. It was Eric Stahl versus one of Jesperi Kotkaniemi or Jake Evans. And with Jake Evans's play as part of that trio against Edmonton, he, he got the nod in game one. So Jesperi Kotkaniemi was the odd man out. So Eric Stahl versus Jesperi Kotkaniemi is the conversation. And we know that Kotkaniemi is going to draw in for game two. But this is the thing, though, right? You have... A guy in Eric Stahl who did not look good during the regular season. The time he scored the OT winner in his first game, he had three points total across his what twenty-ish games with the Montreal Canadiens. I think it was twenty-one, if I'm not mistaken. So you're looking at that that number there, three points, and then like it was said that he was dealing with something, a bit of a nagging injury of late. Uh, but like for most of these games, it was hard to watch Eric Stahl go out there and play. The guy could not hit anybody with a tape to tape pass. He was passing through people's legs. It was off. It was all off. It did not look good for Eric Stahl. He looked better in game one. I'll give him that. And he talked about playing with Corey Perry, bringing familiarity. Josh Anderson plays a little bit of that similar physical style as Corey Perry, obviously, bit more of a speed element which i think kind of carried that line if i'm being honest Mm -hmm. but eric stahl threaded some nice passes through to anderson in that one picked up an assist on the anderson goal so full credit to him for looking better and i honestly thought that that might be the case with a guy that's won a stanley cup you kind of expect it but you're not gonna have eric stahl he's not gonna be here next year or i'd be at least very very surprised if he were (laughs) but you're definitely not having him two years from now you know who is going to be here next year and two years from now and three years from now, hopefully, is Jesperi Kotkaniemi, right? Like, that's a guy that played so well in the bubble, and, and you're just sort of casting him aside and playing a 36-year-old instead, which, from an experience standpoint and the fact that you sort of expect that Eric Stahl's performance would get better in the playoffs, I, I always understood the argument a little bit. But is it worth it when you have a guy in Yasperi Kotkaniemi just sitting on the sidelines and you saw what he did last year? Like, that's that's the part that's the part of it for me that's confusing. When when Stahl was acquired, a lot was made of where he was coming from, that uh, Buffalo was a team in crisis, that that it was tough to play there. It was, um, it was, it was, uh, emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. Uh, we remember we, we, we had Joe Yurden, um, uh, on, on the show and, yep. and he, uh, talked about how difficult it was. So the expectation was that his level of play was going to rise when he, when he came to the Canadians and really other than that, uh, overtime winner. And, and even in that game, he wasn't, he wasn't playing he wasn't, that well. Yeah. Um, his, you know his his performance wasn't any better maybe even a little bit worse in montreal yeah. than buffalo 
Um, he was supposed to arrive and be a, a face-off guru for uh, the, the centers who were having a difficult time. He hasn't mm-hmm. even been that. Uh, yeah. There's been some games where he's you know in the teens in his uh, face-off winning percentage. Um, but yet it was it was Eric Stahl that uh, Ducharme went to over uh, Kakinyemi uh, for game one, and and yes he 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 had a, a well compared to what he's yeah. done up until this point, um, he had a, a strong game. He got an assist. Uh, he had three hits. He was much more physical. Uh, played almost eleven minutes uh, in game one, um, but. Kakinyemi, uh, this is the guy that you're grooming to be your either your number one or your number two uh, center uh, for the future of this organization. He has the uh, potential uh, to 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 be an impact player, um, and and I, I just I, I really quarrel with uh, with Dom Ducharme and the way that Kakinyemi was used throughout the season, but particularly. The last few weeks, uh, there were times this season that Kakinyemi looked pretty good. He looked physical. He yeah. he, he was shooting more, um, and and he ha- seemed to have some confidence. But the coaching staff seems to have zapped all of that, um, punting him around from from line to line to line. His his uh, line mates weren't weren't consistent at all. And then worst of all, towards the end of the season, moving him to the wing, which he just looked uh, lost. The the poor guy. Yeah. Um, this is this is you know it's partly and 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 we acknowledge that he's young uh, and he's still learning and 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 all of that. But um, the, the Canadians organization has not put him in the best uh, position to succeed, um, and and has to be blamed for some of the results that we're seeing. Um, and it, it just so happens that um, you know Ducharme is kind of bailed out of this decision. Uh, by the unfortunate injury to to Evans uh, in creating a spot for Kotkaniemi to get back in the lineup. Yeah, so these conversations, yeah, were ongoing as Game 1 was unfolding, and fortunately for Yasperi Kotkaniemi and for Montreal Canadiens fans, Yasperi Kotkaniemi will get back in. Unfortunately, it is because Jake Evans uh, will not be able to play. Uh, but, Rick, we should say to check out the All Habs fan page on Facebook for comments on these lineup choices. Lots of comments on the All yeah. Habs uh, <laughs> fan page on Facebook. Head there, uh, facebook.com, uh, look for All Habs, all one word, and uh, and you'll see 43,000 and counting uh, 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 subscribe members. And and, uh, and make sure you like and follow the page and, and so that uh, you can be part of that community and contribute contributing your thoughts uh, to these uh, discussions and and questions. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to miss it. So, uh, Rick, we'll move on to some hockey news, and we'll begin with uh, Nazem Kadri, who uh, he's been suspended eight games by the Department of Player Safety for a check to the head of a St. Louis Blues defenseman, Justin Falk. And um, watching that hit... Uh, yeah, it is completely deserving of eight games uh, for him to be suspended. And obviously, a repeat offender, especially in the playoffs where he has been suspended, what, twice before with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's a guy that has a history here. He's suspended as such with eight games. That's about right. You just hope to see a little bit more consistency there. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the hit, if you see it, it's a blindside hit uh, di- directed at the head, uh, spun Justin Falk around, and, and um, yeah, it was, it was ugly. Um, but, you know, we've always been told uh, that um, a suspension in the playoffs is worth two, two and a half um, in, in a regular season, given that, that there's fewer yeah. games, given that the, the games uh, mean so much more. Uh, so is, is when I saw eight games, I was like, wow, um, this is, this is a whopper of a, of a suspension, uh, equivalent to, to what? 16 games equivalent to, to 20 games, um, in the regular season. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any dispute with, uh, the suspension, but it just goes back to what we've talked about. We, you know, for weeks and that, and that is the consistency uh, and if you look at how this compares, why haven't there been other s- suspensions? Um, because this one is, <laughs> this one's, this one sent a message, a huge message, um, and, uh, and, and, and deservingly so. Uh, but there have been other incidents that the Department of Player Safety hasn't, hasn't dealt with uh, as, as strictly uh, in the past. Yeah, so that that's the issue here, really, is that you need to be a little bit more consistent here. We saw, you know, in the in the video explaining why Kadri was suspended, there was the the part that said, well, you know, repeat offenders will be, you know, uh, uh, will have discipline as as such, given their reputation. You just want to see that a little bit more, at least at least for me. So, uh, Rick, we'll move on because Rick, my goodness. The World Hockey Championship, uh, the World Hockey Championships taking place in Latvia. Uh, the hometown team, <laughs> they shocked Canada with a 2-0 shutout yesterday. And, and Rick, that's not all because Denmark beat Switzerland or Sweden, excuse me, 4-3 today. So there are just upsets right, left and center. But the 2-0 win over Canada for Latvia and you saw the, some some of the clips of people in Latvia going a little bit bananas about that. I mean, it is uh, it is something to see. That is for sure. <laughs> it, it's uh, yeah, upside down. And and um, you know, I've caught a little bit of the action, but with the the playoffs on, it's um, it's been um, you know, uh, th- there's lots of hockey on, so I yeah. haven't seen as as much, but. Uh, you you can you can talk about the the roster that's uh, that's over there for Canada, uh, maybe missing uh, a fair bit of talent. Um, you know, some might have expected uh, Brady Kachuk or you know that kind. You look at the goaltending. Mm, I don't know, um, but but still, Canada should never ever 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 lose to to Latvia. And uh, yeah, I, 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 does it mean anything? Uh, maybe maybe it doesn't. But it means something, I think, for Gerard Gallant because Gerard Gallant's the head coach of Team Canada. Yeah. He's looking to get back in the NHL uh, and and losing your first game and losing to Latvia. Uh, it d- doesn't send a, a good message that uh, you're the coach that wants to get uh, back into North American hockey. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, not not a great look for Team Canada. But I mean, hey, it speaks to 
this game is uh, growing and evolving and uh, in- incredible to see Latvia pull out uh, that victory and Denmark pull out a victory today over Swi- uh, over Sweden. Excuse me. Goodness. Uh, but in Sweden, by the way, they have a little bit more firepower. Adrian Kempe was there, Victor mm. Olofsson. I mean, some NHL names. And I mean, I know Canada does have some NHL names, but not the names that you're you're sort of used to seeing represent Team Canada. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting thing to watch unfold and see if any more upsets happen. Um, Rick, we should say that a uh, former Montreal Canadian has uh, joined the coaching ranks in the KHL. It was um, uh, it was great to see um, the the hockey club Vityaz uh, uh, tweeted about this. The KHL tweeted about this. Uh, we know him as the general, uh, but the KHL mm-hmm. says now you're going to have to call him coach from now on. And uh, assistant coach uh, for the Vyaz team will be Andre Markov. Um, and a very serious picture uh, that yeah. was uh, that was tweeted. He means business uh, going in and uh, uh, a whole new coaching staff, a new head coach there. But uh, Andre Markov making will be making his coaching uh, debut when the, the new KHL season uh, starts. And congratulations to him. Um, yeah. He's going to be, he'll be great as, uh, as, as an assistant coach. Yeah, and he's, he's looked like a coach since his playing days, I think. So, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's right there. He's got, the, he's got the perfect look for it. So, as you said, a very serious look on his face in that picture. So, <laughs> we wish him all the best, uh, certainly. But, Rick, we will uh, take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, the return of the popular segment, Winners and Losers. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net.
And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at AllHabs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Speaking of uh, in studio... We have a yes. we have an audience member in the studio yeah, today. Yeah. We have a guest in the studio that you might have heard in. Uh, you in might have heard. Yeah, she's being segment. a little bit, a little bit obnoxious today. My my cat in the background. If you've if you've picked that up, uh, sorry if it's a bit of a distraction. But yeah, she's a little bit. Uh, she doesn't like the leaves. Is the issue? Yeah. No, I think I think that's exactly it. Yeah. So if you notice that throughout the first segment, hopefully a little less uh, through this segment. But <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, so Rick. Um, Winners and losers. Yeah, we, we have we've got the Habs and Leaf series back. So I think it's only fitting that we see the return of a very popular segment here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. Yeah, so it's been a while since we've done this. It's It's been a little while. You know, we used to do this all the time in the first segment of the show and it would get us into get it sort of in rhythm for the show, but now we're here doing it as a big topic segment, and it only seems fitting because, yeah, the Habs and Leafs are playing in the playoffs, so yeah, you bring it back for something as big as that. So, Rick, I think I'll get us get us started here, and, and my winner of the week and my winner of Game 1 for the Montreal Canadiens, because I think he's the guy that was the one of the biggest reasons why they were able to win that game, it was Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson from the moment that puck dropped in Scotiabank Arena. That dude had intensity. That dude was playing with everything that he had. I I mentioned earlier, lining up Wayne Simmons. If he had connected on that, that would have been a seismic hit. He was ready to go. He was absolutely ready to go. He talked about it. He wanted to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. This was the team that he wanted to play in the first round of the playoffs. And he was ready to deliver on that. He scored the goal. Obviously, he scored uh, the first goal of the game for the Canadians. He had an opportunity earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Jack Campbell stopped it. It was, you know, he just couldn't lift the puck. He got a little bit too close. And, uh, yeah, he sort of uh, wasn't able to lift it there. But all game long, creating opportunities with his speed, getting into dangerous areas on the ice, and really I, willing the Canadians forward group, I think he was the guy that when you know you talk about whatever happened with the blue line goaltending whatever the forward group last or game one on Thursday night they were lacking a little bit there wasn't that type of intensity that you you generally see from like a Brendan Gallagher to Foley a little bit quiet right you didn't see obviously he didn't score so you maybe that's why Suzuki you know he didn't show up he didn't score he didn't show up on the score sheet uh, so it, it's harder to see the impact there. But with Josh Anderson, it is so apparent all the time that his impact is there because you see it. He's getting in on the forecheck, the speed, man, the way that he's able to blaze around defensemen. It's incredible. And I think I think he was probably um, the biggest reason why the Canadians were able to get that type of momentum to build on those opportunities to get enough opportunities to actually score goals like he was the guy that created those for the most part obviously a great play at the end from Armia as you mentioned to to spring Byron and Byron was fantastic honorable mention to him but Josh Anderson was the guy from the moment the puck dropped his intensity was there you could see it 
And uh, yeah, the Leafs probably probably not a big fan of number seventeen for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> no, I think you're right there. Um, and uh, let's let's hear what uh, yeah yeah what Josh Anderson has to say. Well, there's a lot of emotion. Um, there's a lot on the line. This is the best time of the year, and you got to show up ready to play. And yeah, you, you got to be ready by puck drop because, like I said many times, it's it's a totally different game out there, and um, you got to bring that en- energy level for for a full sixty. So he talked about energy level. He talked about emotion. And when you think of emotion, you think of a player like Brendan Gallagher. But, um, you know, Josh Anderson also, uh, he yeah. plays on, he thrives on on uh, playing with emotion. And, and we saw that. You mentioned that, that uh, he certainly gets up for playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and in this game, um, you know, Dom Deschamps wanted to send out his his best line, his top line, his number one line uh, off the start, and that is, uh, you know, they they were separated by injuries, but but reunited, bringing back Dano with Tatar and and Gallagher. However, uh, that that top line had a substitute uh, from the 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 starting lineup that is uh, from the drop of the puck. And that was Anderson was substituted in for Tatar uh, because Dom Deschamps, and we've seen him do this uh, in, in other games during the season. He wants Anderson out there with his speed, with his intensity, with his physical play to set the tone from the very first shift. Uh, So put Anderson um, out with uh, Deneau and with Gallagher, uh, and 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 he created that uh, right from the very first shift that uh, that through emotion created that intensity right away uh, had a very strong game and and uh, uh, as you said uh, had the goal but could have had more yeah absolutely good and he made that play as well where he put the puck to a spot in front of Jack Campbell going through the Maple Leafs defense as well he had an opportunity there like he could have had realistically he could have had about you know, two or maybe three goals. Like he was that type of force for the Montreal Canadiens. But yeah, his his speed, I mean, sometimes I think it might be a little bit to his detriment because he gets to areas faster than maybe he thinks he will and isn't able to elevate the puck. But regardless, he was fantastic and he brought that intensity that you need in the playoffs. Uh, but Rick, the playoffs, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, they turned to a guy who has been dubbed playoff price pretty appropriately. Very appropriately, and uh, it, it was interesting in the lead-up, and and all of the, you know, his um, he he was being scrutinized to to the nth degree. Uh, what did this mean? What did that mean? What did his his uh, play in Laval mean? Um, and as we've said, it didn't mean a whole lot other than than uh, just a tune-up, uh, kind of dealt like an exhibition game kind of thing. Yeah. Um, we saw that in in practice, uh, Price got real. Fu- speaking of emotion, speaking of intensity, yeah. got real fired up and and uh, just uh, uh, demolished his stick on the yeah. post. Uh, and was was uh, what, what was that indi- uh, indicating? Uh, but it all led to um, you know many people speculating. But but what we know happened is that that it was it was bringing price to be price in in the playoffs. He was um, use the find your own superlative, but he was uh, he was just spectacular. Uh, yeah. We mentioned he made thirty five saves, but it was um, uh, the real lack of of rebounds. Uh, you know the uh, the 
Leafs and and their offensive firepower were getting all, were getting a number of shots, uh, but it was Price that was swallowing the rebounds. He was calming uh, the pace. Uh, he's leading the rush with uh, with his outlet passes, um, and and it was just it, it was it was absolutely uh, textbook Price. Uh, his positioning, his calm uh, approach, making. Um, uh, saves look routine, uh, and then uh, that turning point in in the game, which was the blockers, unbelievable save on Mitch Marner. Uh, yeah. That was that was the turning point, which led to Armia uh, turning the puck to uh, uh, Byron scoring the shorthanded goal. And as you said, uh, honorable mention to Paul Byron as well, using his speed um, to to uh, to score the the game winning goal. Um, but this was this was um, an enormous upset uh, by yeah. the the Montreal Canadiens, and um, you know there was lots of of predictions out there, but nobody has predicted uh, the Montreal Canadiens to win this series. Uh, Craig Button uh, very famously said mm-hmm. the Canadiens will not win one game, um, and that must have been tough for him to say. We've talked yeah. before; he's friends with Mark Bergevin. Uh, yeah. But he said the Canadians just don't have the talent to uh, win a game. But uh, he seems, like many, uh, to have forgotten about Carey Price, who uh, was just outstanding and carried the team uh, to uh, to their to their win. Now, listen, the 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 Leafs are going to be better in Game Two. They're going to be better through this series, and it's going to take more than uh, Carey Price uh, to yeah. to. Uh, even if he plays out of his mind again, uh, it's going to take more than that for uh, the team to uh, uh, win additional games. Uh, but Price will will give them a chance. Uh, they have to, the rest of the team, his teammates have to take that opportunity uh, when that's provided by Price. Yeah, and, and it was that Andrew Raycroft tweet too, right, that you talked about earlier that no other goaltender can can raise the game of his team quite like Carey Price. And, you know, it's just at the point now where it's almost tiring that we have to have this yearly reminder that Carey Price is, in fact, that guy, that he is, in fact, the guy that can raise the level of play of his teammates to that type of degree. And obviously the Canadians did not play especially great in front of him. But again, it's the confidence of knowing that you have Carey Price behind you that allows you to play a little bit more with a little bit more confidence, right? Like that's something that I don't think you can ever uh, discount. And the people that were saying this, right, Craig Button, whoever it is that were saying uh, the Canadians wouldn't win a game, they obviously didn't account for Carey Price being Carey Price. But that's been the way that it's been for much of this season. Even when he was playing in Laval and allowed a goal, I saw people saying that Carey Price was washed, that Carey Price <laughs> didn't have it anymore. Again, because he allowed a goal in an AHL conditioning stint, it is ridiculous that we have to go and have this conversation all the time. I'm not sure there's another franchise player that this is the case where you have to go and say, well, look, he can't, he can't do everything all the time. He can't. Like the the way the Canadians were playing earlier this season, it, it's a wonder his save percentage and goals against isn't remarkably worse because yeah. there's no way there's no way and and we've talked about it. Look, the five on five save percentage is a number that you look at and and, and that's one that you hold in, in sort of high esteem for a goaltender. 
and his was in the 920s. So, I mean, he's doing something right, obviously, and he was right to say that his game was where it needed to be earlier this season. It was just that people have these unrealistic expectations of what Carey Price should and shouldn't be, you know, what he should be able to do. And at $10.5 million, I can understand that to an extent, but he can't score goals and he can't fix the way the team is playing defensively in front of him. And if those things get fixed, if you score enough goals and you play relatively decent in, in your own zone in front of him, then you give yourself a chance. And with Carey Price in the net, that's the thing. You always have a chance, but you have to give yourself a little bit of a better chance by scoring goals, by being a little bit cleaner in your own end, and by not turning the puck over. Like, listen, that... that Marner save that was absolutely ridiculous Mm -hmm. but you can't ask him to do that you know that's the issue is that that happens how many times right there was a game against the Ottawa Senators I remember earlier this season where the Canadians went down and and scored a goal I believe Tyler Toffoli had a beautiful one and, and and then not even what two minutes later they gave up an odd man rush right back like that's the type of thing that you see from the Montreal Canadians over and over and over again and the expectation is as we talked about, remember the uh, the article in The Athletic from Marc-Antoine Gaudin that says, well, Carey Price isn't playing bad, but he just needs to make extra saves. <laughs> like, that's the argument with Carey Price. It isn't what he's doing. It's the fact that he's not doing more. And that's ridiculous because he's Carey Price. And every time he's in the net, you have a chance to win the game. The Canadians just need to give themselves a better chance. Absolutely. Um uh- you know, uh, Josh Anderson believes in Carey Price. We're going to go back yeah. to Josh because uh, he had uh, he had a lot to say. He was pretty fired up, and he spoke about uh, Carey Price this way. Yeah, that's that's Carey Price for you. Um, you know, he was an absolute wall tonight, and you know he, he loves playing in these these big games. And um, like I said, in in these positions, everybody when it gets to the playoffs, uh, you got to bring it up to another level and, and step up your own game and. Um, you know, I thought everyone did a good job of that tonight. So it's everybody's responsibility to um, raise their own game once you get to the playoffs. But as Andrew Raycroft uh, said, it's it's Carey Price who has the unique ability uh, mm-hmm. to raise the level uh, of of his entire team. Um, and uh, Josh Anderson speaking about him as 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 a wall and and that he. Uh, thrives in in this kind of pressure situation uh, uh, where where he can um, where he can be the difference maker, um, and that's why I chose him um, as uh, as my winner of the week because yeah. uh, obviously uh, he was a difference maker in game one. Yeah, and as you said again in the uh, in the recap of that game, stole him a game, stole him game one of the series. That's a great way to start for the Montreal Canadiens. So. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, we'll go to the losers of the week, Rick, and I'll let you get it started uh, with your loser. Well, uh, I think that we have to acknowledge that the Can- Canadians didn't play uh, their best in Game 1. Um, you know, it's it's cliche to say, oh, we all got together and we all, uh, you know, uh, it was a good team effort. It wasn't, really. Yeah. Um, there was... There was uh, a lot of, of uh, missing in action kind of uh, folks. And uh, for me, that started with the top line. Top line, your number one line being uh, Philip Deneau, uh, Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar. Uh, this is a line that's talked about, given 
uh, an awful lot of praise, talked about mm-hmm. because of their uh, possession numbers as being one of the top 10 lines in, in the National Hockey League. And they sure didn't look like that in Game 1, particularly Philip Deneau. And, and I'm going to make yeah. him uh, uh, my loser of the week. Uh, Philip Deneau, he was getting first-line minutes, uh, played almost 20 minutes, uh, for a forward, that's plenty. 1935 uh, was his time on ice. Um, you don't want uh, your first-line center to have zero shots in the game. I don't care what his, you know, his uh, difficulties are on the offensive side of the game. You don't want your first-line center with zero shots. Um, he was on the ice. He's, uh, the other part of his game is supposed to be defensive, uh, one of the premier defensive uh, players. Uh, he was on the, the ice uh, for the Nylander goal, not only on the ice. He was uh, wandering around covering no one uh, and, and, yeah. uh, and and certainly partly culpable for, uh, for that goal. Um, ended up being a, a minus one in the game uh, when most of his teammates were on the plus side. And uh, if that wasn't bad enough, he took a really bad penalty. Uh, with yeah. three minutes left in the game that gave the Leafs, uh, the Leafs not only had the power play, but they had a two-man advantage because they ended up pulling their goalie. They had a six-on-four yeah. advantage. Uh, some great penalty killing by the, the Canadians. And, of course, uh, Carey Price being, uh, you, you know, a major player in that. But uh, with with Deneau... Uh, putting that pressure on the rest of his penalty killing mates because we know he makes up uh, part of the penalty kill. Uh, it was just um, th- there were so many parts of his game that that were missing in game one. He really has to. They need him uh, to uh, to shut down the best goal scorer in in the National Hockey League, and uh, um, and 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 he's going to need to do a whole lot more uh, as the series goes along. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question there. And and that's been the way that it's been for Philip Deneau this season. And, you know, early on this season, it felt like he was sort of weighing down Tatar and Gallagher. And even at the middle part of that season, before Gallagher got hurt, you know, he Gallagher was sort of willing production out of that line. And it felt like he was sort of dragging Philip Deneau along, kicking and screaming, because earlier in the season, Tatar and Gallagher would create something and and there would be an opportunity and the guy that was always on the end of it was Philip Deneau and he would either sky the puck or shoot it right into the goalie's crest right like it's been that type of season for Philip Deneau and you just think back to the contract conversations that were happening before the season and last offseason right like you just think back to what was offered for Philip Deneau relative to what he is likely to get now and uh you know, he uh, he made a decision, and I'm not sure it was the right one, uh, because he was given a pretty lucrative extension offer, turned it down, and here we are with Philip Deneau having what can only be described as a very very disappointing season, and it, it it extended into Game One of the playoffs. And quite frankly, you need him to be better, but I don't know if he can be. I, I genuinely don't know if he can be. I um you know certainly his his value has has dropped considerably and so you think about the kinds of offers that that Mark Bergevin uh, might want to give to him um, but I think that that Mark Bergevin and this is this is jumping way ahead and we'll talk yeah. about these kinds of things further on <laughs> but I think that Mark Bergevin given that 
Philip Deneau is a uh, unrestricted free agent that he's been handed an opportunity uh, to to part ways with Philip Deneau. I know he has a personal stake uh, mm-hmm. in the growth of Philip Deneau, uh, their connection uh, extending back to to Chicago. But this is a real opportunity to say, you know, thanks. Um, you've um, you've you've uh, made an impact here in Montreal. We've appreciated what you've done. Uh, you think that you. Uh, are worth uh, you know considerably more um, than we're willing to to give you. We're gonna we're gonna let you go, um, yeah. And um, rather than bringing him back and uh, having him be disgruntled and gumming up the works for a Ryan Paling or or uh, a Jake Evans or a, yeah, uh, you know Kakinyemi and, and Suzuki and and and, and that. Um, so again, that's a different conversation, but but um, yeah. I, I think that uh, Philip Deneau is one of those place fillers that's kind of outlived his usefulness for the team and, and uh, can be supplanted uh, by others. Yeah, and I think, yeah, we're, as you said, we're going to have we're that conversation. Yeah. But I think it's also a fair comment given the fact that he has not looked good this season. It just, it hasn't been there. Um, and I mean, it wasn't there for a lot of last year as well, so... Uh, that's uh, something to uh, definitely consider as we head towards uh, the offseason for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Rick, uh, for my loser of the week, I'm, I'm you know, and this kind of it kind of hurts me to say this because my loser of the week is somebody that I actually like. I have a lot of respect for. And as a professional, as a as a former captain um, with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, Nick Foligno, um, he's going to be my loser of the week. But more than Nick Foligno. My loser of the week, I think, might be the code. And, you know, I understand that with that, it's the players that get to decide when and where the code is applicable and when you have to use it. And my first thought about that fight between Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, because that is where Nick Foligno picks up uh, my loser of the week nomination. My first thought was, this is dumb. This is really, really dumb. Like, why are you doing this? It was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. And, you know, I I think that Foligno was doing what he thought was right for his team, but it didn't come across right because when you saw Corey Perry look back at John Tavares, as I said earlier, and as he said, he looked sick to his stomach. He looked genuinely, as did everybody, because that shook everyone in the building. Eric Stahl talked about that in his availability yesterday. I thought that was one of the more interesting availabilities of the day. Eric Stahl's perspective as a 36-year-old guy who's seen a lot of things, and he said he didn't love that. He didn't love it. He had to be honest with that. And, you know, the Leafs were obviously, I understand, and I empathize tremendously with the fact that they saw a friend, a teammate, and their captain go down like that, and that's a difficult thing to do, and especially considering that's the second year in a row now that they've seen a teammate get stretchered off the ice in one of their first playoff games. Jake Muzzin did last year in something that, um, I, I couldn't remember what exactly the injury was, and when I went back and watched it this morning, it's 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 pretty similar, although obviously doesn't take the shot straight to the face uh, like John Tavares does. But regardless, it was dumb. And the one thing that I thought about was the conversation that we had a few weeks ago about Tom Wilson and, and the code in that New York Rangers-Washington uh, Capitals game and the fact that this is a very important time for the NHL, right, with the new broadcast deal right. coming into effect And the Habs and Leafs in this country, them playing in the playoffs, that catches a lot of eyes. So you had some casual eyes on the on the product on Thursday night. 
and they see not only an incredibly gruesome, uh, troubling, and, and uh, awful injury, but then they see two guys fighting right after that. And what does it accomplish? And, and I had to explain what the code is and why that happened, why that fight happened. And I understand that, as again, it, it is Foligno and the Leafs' decision to, to say what is or is not, you know, when it's time to adhere to the code. And, and this was not it for me. And that's why he walks away as my loser of the week. And, and it's just, again, it was it was dumb. It, it was needless. And, you know, as I said, I, I, I empathize tremendously with the Leafs and, and what they went through on that night. But everyone in the room, everyone in the building, as those players, I had to imagine that every one of them to a player was thinking that that very easily could have been me. And Carey Price talked about that. That's the the humble reminder of what they are doing is incredibly dangerous because it happens so quickly. And that to me is I, I don't know if it's more. I don't know if it's more of, of, a, of an indictment of Nick Foligno or an indictment of the code because he felt in that moment that that was the response, that that was the thing that needed to happen to move that game along. And I, I think there's a way, there's a reason why he would think that way. And it might be the code. And I mean, it, the code is essentially the inmates running the asylum, right? And <laughs> if, if the NHL has a stake in this, right, and they, as they should, you might need to, in, you know, it, put some protocols in place after an event like that happens where you just say, okay, like, look, that was not what you thought it was. And Sheldon Keefe had some pretty intense conversations going on with the officials. Um, that was not what you thought it was. This is not a time or a place for the code. You need to move on here. Like, cause it, it, it was just a situation where everybody involved was shaken. Everyone in the building, everyone watching on television around the world in Canada, United States, wherever, Everyone was was shaken watching that, and the fight did nothing. And yeah, as I said, I don't know if it's more of an of indictment of Felino or the code, but regardless, Felino is my loser of the week. Very, very, very well said um, for a difficult issue to talk about, and and it's difficult because we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. It nope. looked yeah. horrific, and uh, not only the hit, but just when when Tavares was trying to get up, when the training mm -hmm. staff was trying to uh, stabilize him, uh, it was it was difficult to watch. And I know the yeah. the Hockey Night in Canada cameras uh, panned away, panned yeah. away to Kyle Dubas, panned away to Carey Price to. Uh, Matthews else. on the bench, yeah, uh, because that was extremely difficult to watch. Um, the players there were shaken, were rattled. Uh, us watching, we were all just emotionally gutted. Uh, yeah. Corey Perry uh, was not the only one to say that that he felt sick to sick to his stomach. Yeah, and the last thing, the very last thing anyone needed um, at that point was a fight, was a meaningless fight, was a staged fight, was a fight that was was uh, demanded by whatever code or the interpretation of the code. Um, I, I think part of the fault is the code, part of the fault is, is uh, the NHL, part of the fault was, um, had to be borne by Nick Foligno because yeah. we, we saw that, that uh, Eric Stahl said, you know, he, Eric Stahl was a captain, said yeah. that wouldn't happen on one of my teams. Um, it, when I was captain, uh, we, we just wouldn't have done that. Um, we heard directly, uh, first of all, you know, 
it was obvious that it was an accident. And I know people mm-hmm. have said, well, there, there wasn't the benefit of, of, uh, of replay. replay. But even yeah. Felino admitted at the time that he knew it wasn't, um, it, it, it wasn't malicious on Perry's part. Yeah. Um, and Elliot Friedman uh, said he can't believe that anyone uh, would not believe that it was an accident. It, it was an obvious accident. Yeah. Um, and the way Carrie, Corey Perry reacted, the way uh, Shea, Shea Weber uh, tried to to um, get in and 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 bring the the temperature down a bit by talking to Felino, uh, I was really disappointed in the the officials uh, not yeah. getting in and giving a uh, you know a, a, a guidance to to Felino. Uh, and to the bench, because uh, the bench was kind of egging it on, um, mm-hmm. and saying, listen, you, you want to do this, uh, you're going to get the extra one here uh, when both guys go off. That that was that was wrong. And you had Felino after the game saying, uh, what do you want me to do? My captain's laying on the ice. He said that about four times. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't able to rationalize that it was an accident. He knew yeah. it was an accident, but his captain's laying on the ice, so he wasn't able to rationalize that it was an accident. So, yeah. um, you know, I need to have a childish tantrum because I have all this rage inside me. Let me be undisciplined for a few minutes, and and I promise, I really promise, then it'll be over. Boy, that's got to change in the National Hockey League. This is uh, this this is, we're not dealing with children having to to get this, rid themselves of this, um, you know, rage inside them. Uh, these are adults that have to control themselves in whatever situation it is because you have a huge international audience, and especially, as you said, with the new broadcast uh, partners, uh, especially on the U.S. side. Um, I, I, I get the, the, the emotions uh, on all sides, but yeah. that only dictated that we didn't need... Uh, another event where where players could have been injured. Uh, we saw that that Corey Perry uh, he, he defended. Didn't, he didn't engage yeah. though uh, no. at all. Uh, he just wasn't feeling like this was appropriate in any way. Um, I'm uh, I'm sorry, but but uh, uh, this this is something that's got to change, and it's going to take all parties uh, to make sure that that happens. Yeah, because yeah, it's one thing, you know, for the guys to take law into their own hands when it's the ineptitude of the Department of Player Safety and handing out a suspension for Tom Wilson, and then you know Tom Wilson fights whatever, say whatever you want about fifteen guys fighting or whatever it was in that game, but that's one thing. But to do that with that type of emotion and everyone in the building, everyone watching, feeling the same thing. It just it felt dumb and it felt dumb to try to have to have to try to explain why it was happening to people who don't watch hockey that often. Like it felt dumb to try to explain this is why they're doing it. It's weird. It's hockey. (laughs) This is what they do. And, you know, and yeah, it just felt like in the moment everybody was was thinking of John Tavares that that was not something that that anybody needed. But I, I guess it's what Foligno thought the team needed to get through it 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 didn't it didn't sit well with me it didn't sit well with many uh but yeah it, it, it's again not a great situation um so that's my loser of the week but yeah 
great to have winners and losers back. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> and we might bring it back. Uh, we've heard from uh, our uh, our listeners that uh, uh, over the last few weeks that it's something they wanted to hear. Glad to have it back. Uh, if you want to, as the week's going along, if you want to nominate a winner or a loser of the week, uh, you're welcome to reach out to us on social media. Uh, we haven't mentioned our, our Rocket uh, Sports text line in a while, uh, but that's always open 24 hours a day. Uh, for any of our new listeners, all you have to do is text your comments to 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET. And uh, and from time to time, we read those uh, those comments on the air usually in the third segment uh, when we invite uh, our listeners to have your say. And you'll get that opportunity in the third segment coming up because we have a question of the week this week. Uh, what did you think of Nick Foligno initiating a fight with Corey Perry after the accident to John Tavares? We've had our say. Now it's time to have your say. So we will get to that after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 137 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Um, so, Rick, quite a third segment that we have. Uh, so we'll start with the some, some all-Habs content. 
There's lots uh, to uh, on on the All Habs uh, website to begin with, allhabs.net. Uh, I'll direct you in that direction. We've got, uh, at this time of year, a lot of new listeners, uh, a, a lot of new uh, visitors to the website, um, and a lot of new engagement. So um, I'll just let you know that uh, you can find us on, on our website. You can find us on all platforms, and, and that includes... Twitter and and uh, we'll talk about Facebook in a minute, but also YouTube and uh, you know we at at All Habs we have uh, kind of a nice mix of credential journalists. We talk about mm-hmm. that you and I both, uh, Amy Johnson, Chris G, yeah. um, and and we make our contributions, but we also recognize and invite uh, uh, fan contributions and uh, and Ben Danku is is a super fan and uh, yeah. and he on our uh, has put together um, uh, the Montreal Fan Forum on our YouTube uh, uh, page, and that is you can find at youtube.com slash allhabs. And uh, Ben gives us reaction videos. Uh, and in his last one, he talked about his predictions for this uh, 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 playoff series with uh, Toronto. Interestingly enough that uh, uh, Ben is in the uh, the GTA area, yeah. and uh, so he has kind of a y- unique uh, perspective <laughs> in uh, Leafsland, uh, and uh, so you're you're going to want to go to uh, the um, uh, fan uh, the the fan the the All Habs uh, page on YouTube and uh, check out uh, his most recent vid- video, but also uh, the rest of his. And I'll, I'll also mention uh, just a shout out to Kate Racher. Kate is. Um, uh, has returned as our editor. Uh, she had some time off, and like many of y- of you, is reengaging uh, in uh, Habs hockey for the playoffs. And she put out an article uh, describing her personal experience with that on AllHabs.net. As well, you're going to get the game previews for every one of the playoff games from uh, Sam Gerber and myself. You get the game recaps. You get Chris's notepad, uh, Chris G's notepad that comes out every Monday. And every Sunday, we have your fabulous uh, three stars of the week. Yeah, it's a lot of great content coming out at uh, allhabs.net. And as you said, great to have Kate back. And uh, by the way, if you want to follow Ben on Twitter as well, uh, Ben underscore thank you as well. You want to make sure that you're following Ben and yeah, seeing those uh, great videos on the All Habs YouTube channel. Um, so, Rick, you mentioned Facebook. Uh, the Canadians Connection question of the week. What did you think of Nick Foligno instigating a fight or initiating, excuse me, a fight with Corey Perry after the accident with John Tavares? What is the All Habs fan page saying on Facebook? Well, we have uh, 43,000 fans that are registered to the page uh, who've liked the page um, and who follow the page uh, and way more than that have have, uh, engaged uh, our reach on that uh, on that uh, particular post is is uh, in the hundreds of thousands so uh, lots of Habs fans wanting to weigh in um, and there's a, a variety of opinion I- interesting too um, for me and I'll just mention this is uh, there's a there's uh, engagement on on um, multiple languages you mm-hmm. have uh, English of course predominantly um, you have uh, French uh, Francophone f- uh, fans uh, arguing in French, and you have uh, Inuit fans uh, oh. from the far north um, arguing in their own language, which is fascinating yeah. to see. 
so whatever, wow. uh, yeah, wherever you are in Canada, in uh, North America, we have lots of uh, listeners in the States. We have lots in Sweden and, and Finland and, and all over the world. Um, head to the to uh, facebook.com slash allhabs. Uh, the question of the week being, uh, what did you think of, of the fight? As I said, lots of opinions. I'll just read one. Um, and this comes from Kenny King. He says, uh, you had talked about the code and, and Felino had felt that he needed to, to do that because of the code. Kenny King says, code schmode, uh, dumbest fight mm-hmm. in memory. Uh, the injury was accidental and everyone knew it. Felino embarrassed himself and the game. Perry emerges as a classy one, uh, which maybe you don't say that yeah, often in yeah. his career. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a great comment there. Thanks for yeah. Kenny King. Thanks for uh, the thousands of Habs fans who uh, have uh, jumped on and shared their views as well on the Absolutely. Facebook page. Yeah, and, and keep those coming because, yeah, it is a, a very interesting question. And we want to hear from you what you think about that uh, Nick Felino Corey Perry fight after the John Tavares incident. So, uh, Rick, with all that said, we should say that the Montreal Canadiens are going to be playing quite a bit coming up, including mm-hmm. a back-to-back, uh, games three and four on a back-to-back. But game two goes tonight. Then you get game three on the 24th, game four the 25th, game five the 27th, and uh, game six and seven to be should determined. be... To be determined, yes. To be determined. That's that's the right wording there. So we'll uh, see how those games all go. And, of course, we're looking forward to it. Game one, uh, obviously, as we said, it was a cloud hanging over it a little bit with John Tavares. We've gotten some good news on that front. So hopefully a, a more uh, an easier watch tonight, uh, a little bit more uh, of that entertaining and exciting hockey that we saw throughout most of that game. Absolutely. And uh, we know that this is also... A long weekend in Canada. Yeah. Happy Victoria Day uh, weekend to uh, all of our listeners. And we'll just ask you to make sure to uh, enjoy the hockey and, and stay safe. Uh, mm-hmm. And reach out to us uh, on your uh, favorite uh, social media um, or t- our text line or our email. Uh, you're welcome to reach out to us. Uh, but stay safe and have a great Victoria Day weekend. Absolutely. Enjoy responsibly and uh, yeah, enjoy the hockey that is coming up. Uh, so, Rick, we should say that uh, you should subscribe, all of our listeners. If you haven't subscribed yet to the Canadians Connection podcast, subscribe on, on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Then you don't have to worry about missing an episode and share with your friends as well and get them uh, involved with the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, so, Rick, that will be it for this one. And we will be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.